So we can just do regular conversation right now because I want it to seem genuine, whatever we start laughing at. I'll edit out all this once the actual laughs come in. Because <laughs> for me, forcing the laughter sounds real corny. Yeah. yeah. And that's the reason why our cold opens work because he doesn't know what's happening. Right. So he's talking regularly. So about pretty people. Much left in the dark. Right. <laughs> but it makes it funny. <laughs> if you think about, about our. Yeah. Right? He's just recording. And then he's like, let's get healed. I'm yeah. like, <laughs> it's not like you farted just now. You I know, did. That, I, I did. Like, you didn't. Just, I know you did. It's the seats. Yeah. <laughs> if it's better out than in, that's what I'm saying, because it could mess up your insides if you keep it in. Like, you know, and and I went, I went over a decade holding it in, so yeah. I, I'm someone who. Oh, out. I don't ever let it out around people. I do now, but okay. I didn't used to let it out around people. Right. Now I'll just go to like a bathroom and do it. Like, what if you're in a relationship? But, you let it out then. That's Come on, we both we, yeah. oh, we both went in like that. You heard that? You heard that? Like, we both were like. I think it takes time. It takes time because I feel, and then I almost feel it almost plays into like your role or your position because that's I what tend I was thinking. More of a verse bottom, so I'm not supposed to do that kind of mm. stuff around the top. Like that might turn them off, mm-hmm. but I think you just have to figure it out. Yeah, yeah, it takes time. Yeah, it takes time. I'm, I'm definitely the kind of person where the, the the only time it happens with me is once you inform me that it happened in my sleep. Okay. It's never happening while I'm awake. The minute you tell me that it happened while I was asleep, I was like, oh, well, you've been introduced, so now I don't have to care anymore. It does not happen until then. Before then, I will leave you every time and be like, I'll be right back. But the minute it happens while we're in bed together, I'm like, well, you now you know. People hold it for a long time. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It doesn't matter if I'm the top or the bottom. You don't need to be hearing me let gas well, out. Well, yeah, that's but, true. I mean, but but really after we get comfortable enough with each other, yeah. if we've been together for a year, I could really give two shits. But like. the thing is, don't you don't just let it rip. You burp, burp. You know. Like, <laughs> Come on, burp, burp. Okay, and with that, with that being said, let's get healed. Welcome to the healing space, everyone. I am Sensei Raven Akundayo. Yelling into the mic, as always. Whatever. And I'm Brandon Harris-Williams. Are you, though? Am I? Are you? Do you know? Hmm. Do, Do you, you know where you're know? going to? Do you know places that you've been? I don't care where the next line. Oh, Lord. You know the things that life is showing there, you? I was waiting. <laughs> Aha! I, I was going to let you take your time. I got it. I had to take... Mm. Because it's a journey. Sorry, it's not one of my faves, so I'm sorry. (laughs) Listen, I need y'all to understand (laughs) that one of our guests was about to try to do what he did last time, and he trying to speak before we even introduce him. Let him be ready. He's eager as hell. Last time he started talking before we even said his name. (laughs) I'm like, can we introduce you first? A proper (laughs) introduction? His ass is chomping at the bitch, (laughs) y'all. This is black, queer, and unapologetic, (laughs) y'all. And we're honored to have emphasis. Unapologetic. Unapologetic. (laughs) (laughs) We are honored to have two awesome guests here with us today to have a conversation with us about a range of topics, all dealing with being black queer and unapologetic first of all he was here (laughs) first of all he was here last year and uh, when when everyone ends up hearing this in the end i don't want them to think that you're the whisper queen 
So if you could lean in a little bit more, Brandon. They know I'm loud. Mm. Like oh. Jennifer Lewis. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. so our first guest was on here last year for the very first black queen unapologetic he is mr oh shit george hill you forgot my name your last name i forgot i was about to just say george the last name left i was like george i'm like like madonna i'm like Cher. i'm like beyonce george is fine uh, we're gonna get some we're gonna get some responses he thinks he's beyonce he's like beyonce don't be high don't come for me no, but when you just sang that Diana Ross song, Do You Know Where You're Going To, on my way here in the lift, apparently Big Sean, Metro Boomin, and Offset have a song called Go Legend, and they sample that song. So and that they probably like, don't even know it's Diana. They don't. And I was like, do you know? I was like, oh. And then they had like a trap beat to it, so yeah. Oh. It felt, I felt warm. Oh. Yeah. A little warm. Our uh, <laughs> our second guest, <laughs> you guys have heard me talk about several times on the podcast, so I'm so excited to have him be a part of the conversation, Mr. Michael Walker, y'all. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Indeed. Can't wait. We're happy to have you here. Yes. We all have our martinis in hand. Yes, we do. Some of us have finished ours. <laughs> Some of us are in our second, but we will judge. <laughs> Some of us have a little bit more pain than others. I can't <laughs> Get out my drink. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so we, like I said, we have a range of topics all surrounding being black, queer, and unapologetic. So the first thing I wanted to ask you guys is growing up as black, queer, and colored, uh, what was your story? So what was your journey? And I guess I'll go first. Uh for me, I grew up in a home where I was, I don't know, like I was pushed to be me. I was pushed to be me a whole lot. Uh, I was, and I, I had taken into consideration that I was a rare story, you know. Um, we talk about privilege a whole lot. I understand my privilege in the instance of growing up black and queer because my story is very different. Um, I always explain it, and I think I've uh, talked to Brandon about this before. I go at it from the perspective of like being a mutant. Like when you look at the X-Men, you have people like Jean Grey and Cyclops who were able to pass, as you would say, in society, while you have people like Mystique and Beast who couldn't. You know, mm-hmm. you can't get away from blue skin, you know? Um, so for me, I passed. I lived in a world where a lot of people couldn't immediately tell unless I spoke, and that just spoke more to their ignorance than anything. When I talked, I talked too white or talked too gay. But other than that, there weren't really signs that gave it away. Uh, and my family, <clears throat> my mother was one of those moms where I played with Barbies. I played with Shira, for those of you from the 80s who know what Shira is. Um, so there were a uh, strawberry shortcake. I was able to play with all that stuff. There was no ju- ju- judgment on my mother's part, you know? Um, my dad, when he was around, I never really had toys when I was, once they were no longer together, I never really had toys at his house. And I think about it, I'm, re- I'm reflecting, and I'm like, did I play with toys at his house? I was always just chilling and watching television at his house. Uh, but yeah, so, but anyway, the point that I was getting to is that I was never judged for being me by my family. Um, I was always given, I love you. You know, I was told I love you every day. I told my family I loved them. That was a regular thing for us. So there was never any shame there. Going to school, I was joked a lot uh, because I was too proper, you know. Um, and so people made fun of me because of that. I was a quote unquote teacher's pet. So I was made fun, of, made fun of because of that. The uh, the word faggot wasn't really spoken to me until middle school. 
<clears throat> again, that never happened outside of school. It was only in middle school. Middle school was an honest nightmare for me. And to this day, I'm still surprised. Like, how did I have girlfriends? How was I like slightly popular? <laughs> never made sense to me because I was made fun of as often as I was. So it was like I had a level of popularity, but also I was constantly picked on verbally. Um, never physically. That was never really a thing for me. And <clears throat> I think because of the fact that I always talked people to death. So people who wanted to fight me, I talked to the point where they were bored with the idea of fighting me. And then they were like, okay, I don't even care anymore. I had dudes who wanted to fight me and I would literally be like, and we're going to do this because what is it you're going to get out of fighting me? What is it? Mind you, keep, it the, keep in mind the age I was. My mother always said I was very mature for my age, but I would be like, and you want to fight me because what? And by the time I was done, they're so drained. Because they're like, you just talked my head off, bitch. Like, I don't even care anymore. <laughs> like, but like, would, they, would, they even, right. would they answer the questions, though? No, they never. They never. They just, I would keep talking. Like, but they would stand there and just be looking at me like. They didn't really want to fight. Yeah. Because you would have just swung. Yeah. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better, I was, it was never any gay dudes who wanted to do it. So maybe that explains it. I don't know if there was any repressed anger from the gay side. That, it it might have been. Right. <laughs> but but see that was the whole thing like what, what i just did the whole analyzing that's what i did with them right. i would at a young age i would analyze people and they will be sitting there like why is this happening so there was no swinging they would literally be looking at me like because for them like you said you would have just swung but for them they've never encountered this before so it's not like for them they would swing if i would have given them too much mouth in a negative sense for them, they're looking at me like I've never encountered whatever the hell he's doing right now. So I'm going to leave and I'm going to go hit somebody else. <laughs> they're not going to do whatever you're doing right now. Um, but anyway, to get back to the story. So growing up for me, I would say my biggest issue with my sexuality was, if anything, ugh. if anything, I guess it may have been the fact that I felt like I had to keep it a secret because of society. Because I knew who I was from a very young age. I was attracted to guys and girls by the time I was like around, well, I knew it around the time of maybe five, six years old. Mm -hmm. So I was aware of it very, very early. Mm -hmm. uh, and there was never any shame in it. There wasn't any of guys telling me you better not tell anybody until middle school. Mm -hmm. When I was in elementary school, the little boys who I would do things with, like we were both aware of what was taking place. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, like, ooh, I can't believe we're doing this. But there was no shame. There wasn't you better not tell anybody. We were too young. Yeah. So it wasn't even in our mind to tell anybody. We were just having fun together. But at middle school, that's when shame came in. So that's when I would do things with boys and they would be like, you better not tell nobody and all that kind of stuff. By the time I got to high school was where the whole circle came around to where the guys were. I was in ninth grade and a guy made out with me in high school and I was nervous. And he was like, why are you nervous? And I was like, because I know you don't want anybody to know. And he was like, why would I care? He was like, I'm gay. And I was like, what? He was like, I'm gay. He was like, I don't care if you tell anybody I like you mind blown like i was like what wow. yeah. so yeah so i came out to my family when i was 17 years old mm -hmm. um because it had gotten to the point where the dude who i was messing around with we were doing so much in my mother's house that i was like you know i'm doing stuff like yeah. you know now <laughs> mind you but i but even though i knew she, it, it i felt like at some point in the next couple of months i was going to say something to her mm -hmm. but i it, she ended up saying to me something to me beforehand she and my dad sat me down and they were like, you know, your grades are pretty bad in school. We had a whole conversation about that. And then my mom said, do you have anything else you want to tell us? To this day, I've never asked her if that's what she was talking about. <laughs> but all I know is that I started bawling. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Started crying, crying. I, you know, ended up telling everything. This is who I am. This is how I feel. Of course, because at the time I still didn't want them to hate me. I said bisexual. 
Um, because I feel like that's going to give you a little bit of, you yeah. know, okay, I feel a little bit better. We can possibly yeah. get you back there. Right. But by b- before our whole year had come and gone, I was like, no, it's just gay. Like, yeah. You you, you <laughs> never see any girls around. Who are we fooling? Right. Um, but yeah, I, I had the, the rare instance where my family told me when I came out, they loved me no matter what. Everything was all good. All they wanted was my happiness. So from a family point of view, I don't have a, a negative. Um, just like when it comes to friendship, mm-hmm. my torment and trauma has always been through friends mm-hmm. or peers. It's never been family. Mm-hmm. Family has always been, there's been drama, but it's never been the kind of drama that most of us talk about that has really messed us up. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always been pretty good when it comes to my sexuality. It was never an issue with my family. So now today, if I can be completely transparent today, I do feel like the outside person only because I don't really have a lot in common with my family. Mm-hmm. I'm very well aware they still love me, mm-hmm. but I do feel like the black sheep. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that has to do with sexuality or what, but I can admit, you know, because sometimes when I tell my story, people think it's all sunshine and rainbows. And I'm like, it's not that. I do feel like an outsider. It's just that I always know I feel loved and that they're, they're not judging me, you know? My nephew is the youngest person in my family. He's 17 years old. He was the first person to call my boyfriend my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. So that shows you a lot about generations, you know? Like he was 15, 15 or 14, we were together. And he was like, I love the two of y'all, you know, like that's your boyfriend. Like, where's your boyfriend at? And all that stuff. And I'm like, and he's straight. So that, that, that says a lot about my family that no mm-hmm. one tried to breed him to be somebody who was yeah. against that. And my family is staunchly religious. So the fact that they didn't raise him to be like, this shit's wrong mm-hmm. says a lot, you know. But I already said that we're not supposed to be going on and on about our stories. So <laughs> I, I'm going to give the floor up now for Brandon to tell his. <laughs> Okay. Um, I, my story's not as sunshine and rainbows as a uh, Ravens was, <laughs> but no. Um, I think for me, I definitely didn't necessarily realize or like come to like terms with my sexuality, or, like even like I guess admit my feelings for guys, or even start dealing with that until I was like maybe fifteen, sixteen. Mm-hmm. And so I was like teased though, like in middle school, um, because I didn't have a girlfriend. You know, like wasn't doing things with girls. Uh, I guess maybe like the way I, most of my friends were girls like at that time. Um, so different things. So like guys or whatever would kind of like pick on me just a couple, not like many, but it was so definitely kind of like a, I guess I had to say tormented because I don't, I don't necessarily feel like I was like hating going to school every day because right. I still enjoy my friends and like different things. Mm-hmm. But there were like particular people I knew kind of like to avoid kind of, and it was never anything physical like, oh, they wanted to fight me or they wanted to well, let me catch him in the, in the corner or do whatever, like really picking him kind of a thing. But right. like when they could stay su- say stuff, they would. Or if they could like take digs or make jokes or whatever, they would. But it was even also like kind of like talking behind my back kind of a thing. Like it would get back to me. They were like, oh, if you don't have a girlfriend by the end of this year or whatever, you're gay. Or if you don't. And I'm just like, one, like you don't say anything to me. But two, why does it even right. matter? Why does it matter to you? Like who, who cares? Right. And so like I think I've thought about it since then. I think maybe some of that too was like that kind of repressed whatever yeah, that they absolutely. were dealing with clearly. Because like why are you projecting so much? worry so much about me especially at that time i hadn't even thought about guys that way right and so um i i felt like love for the most part for my family um and until they finally found out uh that i was like interested in guys liking guys whatever so yeah like throughout high school or whatever when i finally like was in my sexuality and like kind of struggled and eventually like came to terms for myself or like accepted it for myself I was like, you just heard like the horror stories of like, you might get kicked out or whatever. So I was like, mm-hmm. I don't think my family would do that, but I want to hold off as long as I can 
just in case. Mm -hmm. And so uh, there was a guy in high school, like senior year, that we did kind of mess around with, but it was very low-key, like nobody knew. Like people didn't even realize that we like knew each other. Right. Even though my dream, we were like texting every day, we hung out and did stuff or whatever, um, like sexual stuff, but then also just hung out a couple times too. Yeah. But like people like, and we had mutual friends, but if you didn't know, mm-hmm. like you wouldn't, nobody would have known that we knew together. each other. Like we didn't even like speak to each other, like passing in the hallways or anything. Right. So um, there was him. And then he was actually kind of the only person I did anything, well, the only guy I did anything with in high school. Mm-hmm. And then like years later, I went away to college and like was there for a couple of years. And then my dad was like going through one of my old phones. Mm-hmm. It was at home. Um, and he was like, oh, I was trying to see. Um, I was trying to see like what messages or however you flirt with girls or something like that or whatever, and but he ended up finding a conversation with me and my best friend, a guy at the time or whatever. We were talking about guys, but I've thought about it since then. I'm like, if you were trying to see what I was saying to girls, why would you go into a conversation with the guy? Because right. it was clearly a guy's name. Right. So, <laughs> so he went to that conversation. So then he like pretty much asked me because this was all through text message or whatever. You know, like, are you gay or whatever? And I like didn't respond because I was one hurt, two didn't know how to like. I didn't know how he was going to react, but also, because I was like, why are you going through my, like, you could have just asked me kind of a thing, or why did you have to feel the need to go all the way around, whatever. Right. So, um, I didn't, like, really respond, or I answered, I can't even remember. I want to say I answered, Mm -hmm. but then he was like, okay, well, you need to tell your mom, basically, um, or if not, I'm going to tell her kind of a thing. And so, I was like, okay, well, I'm not doing that, so, (laughs) like, you pretty much you got it kind of thing. And so, then the next day, my mom called me, like, ten times. I did not answer the phone because I knew what the conversation would be about. I didn't have time for that. I was right. like, I'm not in the mood. And so I finally answered like the next day. She was all in hysterics, all crying. And at that point, I was like active in church um, where I was going to school or whatever. Right. And so my parents were not at this time. So, but she was all like, well, what would your pastor say? And you need to go and you need to pray. You need... I'm like, but you don't even go to church. Right. So how could you tell me like what right. I should be doing? <laughs> and this is not even something that you're doing right now yourself. Right. So... I guess it's pretty much my story. Like, we haven't really spoken much about it since then. And that was, like, four, five years ago. So, yeah, yeah, it's just really not a conversation that is even brought up by any of us. Right. So, it's my story. (laughs) (laughs) And, okay, George, so uh, what's your story? Okay. First of all, I hate talking about myself, but I know this is necessary. Thanks. So, um, <laughs> Thanks. But, um, so Gemini. Gemini. Right. <laughs> um, see, my hands are sweaty. I'm like nervous or whatever. But, I'm but growing up, um, like, I don't think I knew as early as you, um, Raven, you know, about your sexuality. I knew that I was different. Right. But I didn't know what that was until much later. But I was very fortunate to have... Um, a grandmother who lived with us, um, you know, until she passed away, and I was very young, and she was pretty much my best friend, and she was um, a school teacher, mm-hmm. and she just pretty much, I mean, you know, people who love you can see you for who you really are, mm-hmm. so she knew from a very early age, you know, what the deal was, but she never, we never spoke about it because I was so young, but she would always encourage me, you know. In any interest that I want to do is whether it was, you know, acting or reading or theater or anything like that. You know, if I like Tina Turner, do the best Tina Turner impersonation. That's how old I am. <laughs> and um, so I was I always felt affirmed in that, even though I didn't know exactly what that meant at the time. Right. Um, going through, um, you know, grade school, middle school, high school. I felt like I was kind of like in a way protected because I think people 
knew. I'm sure they knew, but right. they never, no one ever, you know, I never got bashed. You know, I never, you know, some people would say things, you know, you know, to a side or whatever, but I never really had that experience. And then when I finally felt comfortable with myself around, uh, it had to have been, you know, high school or whatever. I, you know, came out to some friends. They were like, oh, thank God, you right. know, because we knew, you know what I mean? So we're just glad that you feel comfortable with telling us that, you know, because I know that's a very hard secret to, you know, keep or whatever. Absolutely, yeah. So um, how I came out to my parents was uh, it was not until I graduated high school. So I guess, you know, it was like, what, 18. And then I started community college. And I had a, you know, a little boyfriend in, com- in community college. And it was, oh, God, this is so, I'm, I'm so old. This is before cell phones. I'm older than you. I know. But <laughs> but the thing is, we were we were in class and we would we would write notes to each other and whatnot right. and stuff like that. And they were, they were never anything explicit, but there were certainly notes where it was more than just a friend. Do you right. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I would always, you know, put the notes, I would always read the notes and immediately tear them because I didn't want anyone to find them. Right. And those, so I was still living at home. So one day I think my mom was doing my laundry and I forgot to tear up the note and she found one of the notes. Mm. And what a television show. What a telenova, right? <laughs> and um, so I'm coming home, and I'll never forget it. She's sitting on, <laughs> we had this purple Shea Lounge. So mm. she's lounging on the Shea Lounge. I love the And she's like, um, <laughs> she's like, you know, come in, GJ. That's my nickname. Come in, GJ. I want to talk to you. And I'm like, oh shit, what did I do? Because you think immediately, immediately right. what did I do? So she's like, um, you know who's who's Mike, and I'm like, what the fuck? How does she know who's who Mike is, right? And she's like, you know, I was doing the laundry, and I found this note, and this is clearly a note that you that was written to someone that that's more than just a friend. So I just want to know what this means, right? So at that moment, I kind of paused, and I was like, okay, this is do or die, you know. But then again, like you said, Spence, you know, once she asked me, it just all came out. I was like, you know, mom, I'm gay. This is who I am. I've been this way for a very long time. I'm sure you know. And, um, you know, I just, I hated having to keep that secret from her because we were so close. And I felt there was like a distance between us because I was keeping that from her. And she was like, you know, I've, I've known that for a while and um, I haven't, you know, broached you about it, but um, just know that I love you. And she said, know what the Bible says. And, um, you know, I, I support you, you know. But the funny thing is, after that, we've never really talked about it again. It's it's known, right. but we've never really discussed it after that. But um, and then on the flip side, because my parents are divorced, you know, I told my dad, and he was like more supportive than my mother was because he's worked yeah. in HIV um, AIDS awareness for a very long time with you know San Francisco and then in Washington and now here in Atlanta. Yeah. So he has a little bit more knowledge than her than right. she does, but um, she just, he just always tells me to be careful and that he loves me and stuff like that. So I mean, I've I'm I've been blessed. I've had a very good experience. I've had very supportive friends, very supportive family. Um, so I mean, I can't really say anything uh, anything negative about that. I'm I'm just truly blessed to you right. know have that experience. So yeah. So now that we've been made aware, and I think this is a great way to transition. Mm-hmm. Because all the pieces come together. We just found out we just found out that back in the day, 
George and Mike used to actually exchange notes. We so that's did. perfect because <laughs> now <laughs> we were now that we know I found you. Right. Now that we know they used to have a secret love, <laughs> we can now transition to Mike. So Mike can now talk about his coming out story. It all works together. Oh, talk about a beautiful transition. Yes, that's that an really amazing God, transition. That's what podcasts are made for. Yes. Shit. Right. Listen. Okay. Oh, wow. My coming out story. So my coming out story is very different, I would say, the most. So... To kind of give a little bit of background, you have to understand that I have mom number one and mom number two. And I'm sure as we get further into this podcast, we'll talk about it more. Mm -hmm. But coming out story focuses on mom number one. Um, So as Raven said, I was kissing boys in preschool, in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. They were getting in my cot. Like, you know, we were doing things or whatever. (laughs) I was about to say, we need to be... Nap time. I was like, right. I was like, they were getting in your what? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you were really going for it yeah. at a young age. So I was going for it at a young age. I knew what I wanted, and I went after what I wanted. So. The weird part is hashtag that, getting in your cot. I'm yeah, sorry. Go yeah ahead. that's gonna be a hashtag, right? We're gonna we're gonna copyright that. <laughs> um, so when I was actually in the first grade, I tried to come out to my parents and oh, tell wow. them that I was gay. And I remember sitting at a kitchen counter and telling them that I was different because I knew that I liked boys and I knew that when I looked at boys, that's what I liked. I didn't like girls. I would only date girls to give that facade that I was straight. Right. Um, but it didn't work because a lot of guys knew that I was gay. So basically fast forward into, I would say when I was about 16. So that was like my true coming out story. So we thought that my parents, cause I lived with the best friend at that time. My best friend moved into the house with my parents and I or whatever. Um, and we thought my parents were out on like date night or whatever. So we're basically telling everything that we're doing. He's talking about all the girls at school that he's fucking. I'm talking about all the dudes at school that I'm sucking up on or whatever. Come on. So Come on. What we didn't know is that my father was actually in the bedroom, in the bed, laying up, listening to all this. Wow. So what happened was, we're talking and then I went I was like oh let me go into my parents room to get something when I busted into the room my dad was like just laying on the bed like this and I was like oh shit so I went back I'll keep his name silent I went back and I told my friend I was like my dad's here right so that brought us downstairs we're sitting on the couch we're talking or whatever my mom comes home so Mm -hmm. my mom comes home and this is where everybody laughs when I tell them this part of the story so my mom walks in and she sees me and my best friend sitting on the couch and she's like what happened and my dad is like, Don's fucking Michael sucking. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, I just said his name. Shame on me. <laughs> <laughs> So that kind of is like the beginning of my coming out story. So mom number one is staunchly religious. She is Catholic to her, to core. Like he, she doesn't believe in it. She believes in hellfire brimstone. So mom number one didn't take it well. 
Right. And she just totally went off. And it started with um, psychotherapy sessions. So I had to go to psychotherapy sessions where they tried to put me on medication. Mm -hmm. Um, She tried to have me committed to a behavioral hospital because she went back to where the old um, psychology book said that it was a mental disorder. And that's what she was so stuck on. And then it went from that to praying it out of me. Call the pastor. We can get it out of you. You have a demon inside of you. Um, so it was a very hard time trying to just transition to like my senior and my junior year in high school, but still trying to keep everything together. Um, there were Bibles thrown at me. Um, I got beat because of who I was. Um, and then eventually at the age of 17, right before I was getting ready to graduate from high school, I was kicked out of my house. Um, so I had to go live with like my friend's summer or whatever, Um, and to this day, I would say what I was kicked out when I'm 17, I'm 36. Now I have not spoken to mom number one. So it was a very, it was, it was rough. Um, she busted into my room. There were nights where she would bust in my room and tell me that I was going to die of AIDS. Um, so it was a rough story. So transitioning to mom number two, which is the mom that I have now that if anybody's on my Facebook, they see her. Um, she's a minister. Mm-hmm. Um, she's very, very religious, but there's no judgment on her behalf. And her whole thing is like, why worry about what people are doing in their bedroom when it doesn't involve you? Yeah, as yeah. long as their door is closed and it does have nothing to do with you, she has nothing to do with it. Um, I'm still the type of way that I respect her to the point where if I bring somebody around, I'll say this is my friend. But she's not an idiot. She understands that this right. is my boyfriend. Um, So mom number two has been incredibly supportive and she's the one that helped me grow and realize that I can be who I can be. I am what I am and that's all that I am. And she said, you know, when you stand at the judgment throne, I don't stand with you. Your friends don't stand with you. Nobody else stands with you. You stand by yourself and then you tell God what it is that you did in your life. So that helped me be comfortable with who I am because Mom number one had me repress it all and Mm -hmm. made me feel like, okay, this is not right in my life. So that's my little somber coming out story. There were some funny parts. Don suck and Michael's fucking. (laughs) Sorry, Don's fucking Michael's sucking. I wasn't fucking that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing that, Mike. And that's the reason why I wanted to have a, a variety as far as the people that we had on here today. Because the purpose is there are four different stories. Mm -hmm. And I want for our listeners to feel like their voice is being spoken. You know, Um, not all of us have the same experiences. Mm -hmm. So if I was on here talking about my story, I know how unique my situation is. So I don't want to just tell my story. And then a good majority of people who listen to this who are black and queer would be like, I can't identify. That's not what I went through, you know. But if you listen to all four of our stories, then it's like, okay, somebody in there sounds like what it is that I experienced. Um, But I think that, Mike, we're going to start with you for this one because it's a good transition because of what it is you just finished talking about. So my second question for us to talk about is how does faith and spirituality play a part in your queer identity today? Um, I think faith and spirituality plays a major part in my queer identity. Um. You know, a lot of people will say, well, you know, it's written in the Bible that God doesn't approve of that. Um, But you're picking and you're choosing what parts of the Bible that you want to interpret. And the major thing that I come back to with my spirituality 
and I pray every day. I'm sure Raven knows, like, you know, I'm very into, like, my religion. Mm -hmm. I I, want to take it back and say not religion. I believe in spirituality because I believe in a relationship with God. And Mm. I believe that that's what you need to have. You have to have a relationship with God. And in my relationship, I've never felt that what I'm doing is wrong. And whenever Christians come at me and they say, you're doing it wrong, or that's not right, or it's in the Bible, I go back to the one thing and I say, God is love. Mm, so if I love somebody, if I love this man, if yeah. I have a deep rooted love for this person, yeah. God is love. God is in that relationship because it's love. Speak on and it. you want to talk about God is love, then you have to understand what love is. And love has no boundaries. It has no color lines. It doesn't have anything. It doesn't have conditions. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Love is not conditional. When you love, you love. you love. And that's the biggest thing that I give to people when it comes down to my spirituality because it's like, don't take away my relationship that I want to have with God because you don't you don't necessarily believe in what I believe in. And don't pick and choose the sins that you want to harp mm-hmm. on. You know, you can cuss, you can gossip, you can go to the strip club and throw all kinds of money. But the minute that I lay down with the man, all of a sudden I'm an abomination. Right. It absolutely makes no sense. You're a hypocrite. And if we get back into the the fact that you're not supposed to judge, then you shouldn't be judging me for what I should do. You should be giving me love, which God is love. Mm -hmm. You know, if God wants to change me, he'll come in and he changes me. But I, I've never felt that I needed to change. Mm -hmm. I've never felt that I needed to be a different person. I've always felt that if I fall in love with this person, that's the person that I fall in love with. And that's just end of story. Yeah. Thank you for that, Mike. Mm-hmm. Okay, George, what about you? You want me to follow that? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Um, Remember the notes I wrote you, George? No. I know. <laughs> I still have them. The ones I didn't tear up. Um, I feel like this is a notebook. <laughs> the black version. Exactly. The queer version. I have never yeah. seen that movie. Is it the good? The black book. The black book? Okay. Um... <laughs> But no, like as far as spirituality, like I never bought in, even though I grew up in the church, I never bought into the fact that, you know, it was an abomination or I was damned to hell or not. Even though, you know, my mother was a Sunday school teacher. I was in Sunday school every Sunday, Bible study every Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Um, I just never had that conflict. You know what I mean? I know a lot of black queer men who grow up in the church have that and it is deep. And I know that it has destroyed a lot of people um, because of that conflict. Um, But I, I thank God never had that. And I just knew that, you know, my God is not a a vengeful, wrathful God. You know what I mean? So I just kind of kept that with me. And um, I, I did, as I got older, like toward being a teenager, going from being in the church every Sunday, every Wednesday to not being in it at all because I just had to find God for myself. Yeah. And, um, you know, that did cause a little bit of a rift with my family because they're like, you know, we, your grandfather's a, a pastor, you know, I'm a Sunday school teacher, you know, you need to be in the house of the Lord to fellowship. And I was like, you know, but I don't believe what is being said to me, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, so I had to kind of break away and then finally find God on my own and have a spiritual relationship with him by myself. Yeah. And I think that was like one of the most important things I did because I do have a relationship with him now and, or her, I like to call her her sometimes, Listen. you know, Listen. is that good? <laughs> right. Um, but um, yeah, I just found my own relationship with God. And I've, I think that was like one of the best things I did was just to kind of, you know, break away and just learn 
the word and learn God for myself. And yeah. that kind of, you know, that helped me through my spirituality and my walk as a Blake, as a Blake, as oh, a boy. black queer man. Sorry. I'm trying you to figure out where the word? other part, right? right. <laughs> Usually people combine words. Exactly. Queer has no ache in it. So like, <laughs> You've been texting Blake. I've been texting Blake. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, BHW, what about you? Um, I think it's so much of what they both be, are yeah, what they both have already said, Mike and George, is that like pretty much when you find your own kind of relationship or whatever with God, and not just like for you like struggling with your sexuality, but like people in general, it, it's a lot easier to kind of live your life because you're not really worried what everybody else is thinking, kind of a thing. Right. And so for me, a big part of my like struggle initially, even though I wasn't even, I didn't even grow up like super heavy in the church. Like we went like kind of periodically or at different points, but um. And then, and then I've like started going, I started going like on my own kind of with friends in high school mm-hmm. and then like started going again heavily in college. But initially my huge struggle, part of it was kind of like, you know, well, what will God feel or how, you know, society feel, whatever, whatever. So that right. was why it was such a struggle for so long. But, and then for a while I was kind of like, okay, well, I won't really deal with that kind of a struggle. Mm-hmm. Like I'll accept myself, but I don't really know how I'll deal with the whole religion aspect of it. But then I think the like, in talking to God more or just in like really finding your own relationship or it also like sometimes going to church and you realizing that other people just really don't have that stuff together either. Right. Or that everybody's kind of struggling <laughs> in their own way. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of like, okay, so this is my quote unquote struggle at the moment kind right. of a thing. It's a, you find acceptance of it yet. And so then it's like when you finally do get that own relationship or you finally do have those conversations with yourself and with God. And then it's like, okay, so this isn't kind of like, eternally damn me or everything else like this is not like a sickness or this is not something that's wrong with me this is who i am yeah and then it's like if you have an issue that's more so your issue right than it is mine so i think that's just pretty, i mean basically what they've already said is right. like finding your own relationship is kind of what helps you to be more like i guess stable or more sound kind yeah, of within yeah, yourself mm-hmm. is because you're more grounded or rooted for yourself so it doesn't really what others are saying or doing right. doesn't bother you right or shake you, kind of. It's okay that for this one, a lot of our stories sound the same. And I say that because <laughs> we find we find different ways of being able to say it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, the way you just said it, it was the same thing, but was totally different, you know? So, we're giving gems right now. So, just in case there's someone who doesn't feel the same way that we do, who didn't have the same experience that we had, you know? Um, for me... I assumed I was rare until the three of y'all started talking. <laughs> I was like, I'm not as rare as I thought, so that's good. Um, I have always had, my mother taught me to have a personal relationship with God, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, she told me it was very important to have a personal relationship with God. So I'm one of those people, you know, my mom taught me things and I made a decision of what I was going to hold on to and what I wasn't, you know? Mm-hmm. My mother taught me the importance of peace of mind. I've kept it my entire life. Mm-hmm. So when she told me to have a personal relationship, I took heed to that and I kept it with me. So I have never had, and sometimes people are blown away when they hear me say this because they're like, as a queer man, like seriously, I have never had one day of my life of 38 years where I thought being gay was wrong. Now, when I said I came out to my parents and told them that I was bisexual, it wasn't because I thought that being gay was incorrect. I was just like, okay, this will save them less hurt if I say that I'm bisexual and not gay. I didn't feel bad about it. I just didn't want them to feel bad, you know? Um, I've never, because in my mind, as you said, my God is a loving God. So my thing is, is that that's your problem. That's not mine. You know, uh, I was heavier into church. 
than the rest of my family when I was growing up. They were Baptists, but they were Baptists. It was like, all right, it's more so a title than anything, yeah. you know. We're, we're Baptists. I'm like, well, we're black. That's what we're supposed to say. We're black. We're Baptists. Um, I was going to a church with my fourth grade teacher. Um, she was amazing. Uh, she was taking me and f uh, three other. It, it really was like one of those movies where it's the the white savior teacher that comes in <laughs> and, and, and and saves the young black kids. Uh, but right, you know, I was thinking Dangerous Minds. I was thinking it. Um, but she was phenomenal though. Like I'm determined I'm gonna find her one day. I've been mentioning her name a lot lately, so I don't know if that's the universe saying I'm gonna find her. But her name is Wendy Hetrick. So if anybody ever knows a Wendy Hetrick, uh, she left Baltimore and moved to North Carolina many moons ago. Um, after Facebook? Listen, I, I tried to find her on Facebook and I couldn't find her. So, um, but yeah, I was, I was in her marriage when I was a kid. Like that's how close she, we were to all of us. Like she was really close to us. Um, and we were kids, you know, that was the impact she had on us that we were in her wedding. Um, so that was a really big deal, but I was going to church with her. She would take me to church, the four of us, mm -hmm. and um, I ended up having a little white girlfriend when I was there and everything. <laughs> Whole little journey. But yeah, but that was when I was around 11 years old. Um, so then after that, when she moved to North Carolina, my family slow, slowly started to get more into church themselves while I slowly started to get out of it. Mm -hmm. um, because at that point in my life, I started the journey of studying um, other religions and other faiths and everything. So I studied uh, Islam. Um, I studied Hindu. I studied uh, Buddhism, mm -hmm. Hinduism, um, Buddhism, all of those things, because for me, I was just curious like that. You know, for me, with a loving God, the whole thing is, is that there can't just be one thing like right. God is everywhere. Mm -hmm. So I started studying everything because I'm like, I want to be a well-rounded human being. And I don't feel like I could be well-rounded if all I did was just know of one type of religion. Mm -hmm. um, so I started studying all those other things. And each thing spoke to me in a different way. Uh, but at the end of the day, I decided that I wasn't a religious person. Mm -hmm. It was more about my walk spiritually. So I, I always tell people that I want to walk like Jesus and Siddhartha, who is the original Buddha. Um, and just for the record, this is kind of getting off topic. But for those who think that Buddha is Buddha, no, Buddha is a title. <laughs> you become Buddha. Siddhartha was the original Buddha. Just real quick. Um, but yeah, so when I, once I started on that journey, that made things a lot clearer for me. Because it wasn't about religion. It was these are people that I admire. I admire the walk that Jesus had because his whole thing was peace. It was love. Mm -hmm. And it was walking with the outcasts, walking with the misfits, you know. Yes. Um, for Siddhartha, it was a thing. Uh, what, what it is that I've learned from Siddhartha is an understanding of peace, of calm, of detachment. I can honestly admit detachment has been one of the most important things I've learned as an adult. Because we, especially, good Lord, in America, um, we cling to things, yep. you know, we cling to lots of material things and things of that nature. And Buddhism has taught me that these things don't go with you when you leave, you know. So it's like it, it's not about material possessions. What is it that you hold on the inside? Um, it's not about physical beings. You know, I um, mean, some people <clears throat> take that the wrong way. Sometimes they're under the impression that they're being taught that you're not supposed to be attached to people in general where you're just supposed to be cold and let them go. And it's like, no, no, no. You love the people who you love, mm -hmm. but understand that you're not supposed to cling to them in an unhealthy way. Right. You know, um, and that's made a really big difference in my life. Some people think that it's cold that I can let go of people the way that I do. But I go full circle back to my mom teaching me the importance of peace of mind. Mm -hmm. I can't have my peace of mind corrupted. So this is our chapter. It's going to end now. And then I keep going. 
And all of that comes from my faith and my spirituality. All of that comes from the peace of mind that my mother taught me at a young age. All of that comes from, I don't say I want to be like Jesus and then make that as a slogan and keep it pushing. I actually mean it, you know, like I really want to be like that. So I strive every day to be this peaceful person that I possibly can be in a way of hopefully being able to not only make a difference in my life, but in other people's lives too. So for me, spirituality plays a huge part as a queer man. Because my, my thing is, is that I see myself is one of the people that Jesus walked with, you know? Right. There, there are a lot of, and I love when I hear black queer people say this, that they consider themselves to be the chosen ones. And I'm like, what a beautiful way of seeing things. Mm-hmm. Because we were raised our entire life to think that we were the complete opposite. Exactly. We were taught to be raised that we were the scum of the earth. So to have the power to understand that we were the ones who were walking with him, mm-hmm. you know? Right. So, And I've said that to some younger queer men. Yeah. I'm like, you know, when I've spoken in different places and stuff like that, I'm like, you can't be made to feel like you're less than when you are the ones who are at his side the entire time. Mm, If there's anybody who's chosen, it's you. And revel in that shit. Like, like be like, hey, you can't make me feel bad. I'm the one, you know? Um, So, okay. So, with that being said, the next thing is, uh, when was the last time you felt less than because of your sexuality? So, Okay. When was the last time you felt less than? Right. <laughs> like, I'm looking at Brandon. Brandon's like, eh. And I'm sitting here. You sent me this question the other day, and I was like, I don't quite. I don't know if it was like when I was struggling. Yeah. Because I don't necessarily think it's like made me feel less than since I've like accepted it for myself, if that makes any sense. Right. Because I don't. Um, <clears throat> I mean, of course, there's still, like, idiots and different things, but I've never, like, really been, like, the victim of, like, some, like, major hate crime or really been, like, like large bullying since I've, like, come out or anything. So yeah. I'm kind of, like, I don't know if there's been a time that I've been, like, felt left, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know. Like, have you have you felt, has there been a moment where you felt like life would be easier if you weren't gay? Oh, I mean, no, of course not. Let's not. <laughs> <laughs> But but that doesn't make me feel less than because that would make it easy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, right. it would be easy if I was a white man. Like, you know, like I don't, <laughs> but that's make me. You know, but that's make me feel less than for being black. Right. So no, I don't. I don't think I felt less than. Okay. At least no, not not. Uh, <laughs> at least no time like in my like recollection, like right. clear, a clear memory or anything. Yeah. What about you? So, okay, feeling less than. I'd, I, and see, the whole thing is, is that when I was posing this question, I was like, maybe one of them will have a moment. Because <laughs> me, I mean, like I just told y'all, you know, I've never had a moment where I thought it was wrong. So yeah. when, because I've never had a moment where I thought it was wrong, I've never really been able to be made to feel less than. That makes sense. But, but that's who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. Like, my thing is, is that that's the way that I've been my entire life, which I guess could be a positive and a negative to some people. Like, you know, for those who I've had really deep conversations with as far as uh, thought processes and stuff like that, I've told people that I've battled with judgment. You know, we all have our things that we've had to get over, mm-hmm. you know, the negatives of who we are. For me, it's been judgment. Um, I've, I've had a very Darwinian way of thinking, you know, where I've been like, it's about the survival of the fittest. You know, can you survive in the society? Are you weak? You know, uh, so... I, I say all of that to say that when I'm in stores and stuff like that, or if I'm walking out at night and I walk, pe- if I'm walking behind a white woman 
If I go walking past her and if she clutches her her purse or something, I'll clutch my book bag. <laughs> like, I'll walk into an expensive <laughs> store and I put my nose up before they have an opportunity to. Right. You're not better than me. Yeah. You know, I know I'm amazing. Wow. So, and that's the way I've carried myself my entire life. Mm-hmm. I never go anyplace and feel like I'm lower than you. Right. Oh, no, no, no. I'm black. You know, and then we get past that for my cisgendered, you know, uh, heterosexual brothers. I'm queer. Like, I am amazing. (laughs) Like, you know, that's the way I've always been. Mm -hmm. I've never had a situation where I felt like you're better than I am, Mm -hmm. you know? So I've never really felt less than because I always felt like I I had to stop myself because I'm like, I don't want to sound like I'm being pompous. I've I've always (laughs) felt like I was the shit. Like, I mean, no, I've had insecurities. We've all had, we all have, you know, but I've never felt less than. I have never felt like anyone was better than me right. at no point in time, yeah. you know. Um, but I, always, I also felt like that could have been my upbringing, mm-hmm. you know. I had a really good upbringing. Mm-hmm. So I also felt like maybe because of the fact that I was told I was loved every day, that's maybe the reason why I've never felt like I was less than. Mm-hmm. Maybe if I wasn't always told I was loved, I'd be like, okay, I'm missing something. Mm-hmm. But because I always had that, I was like, okay, at the end of the day, you can say whatever you want to me, but I go home to love. So. Right. I got something you might not have. You're you're angry and you're mad and you're pissed off and rage filled because there's something that's missing inside. Fairly certain it probably came from home. So, you know, I'm like, I'm I'm pretty good. So yeah. So all right, so so far we're what, zero for two? <laughs> We've because Brandon never really had an instance where he felt less than either. Real, so the, have you had are you cause there's somebody listening to this oh, who has okay. felt less than before. So this is a possibility where the four of us may just end up being like, well, we've always felt fine, but, but we love you if you, love you. <laughs> No, I've always felt fine, you know, being, that's not true. Okay. I'm just piggybacking on what you just said. I've come always, on, true, come on, truth. Oh, come on, air sign, being, being real, <laughs> being honest, getting with the shits, with the hail. shits. Um, <laughs> no, the one time that I felt like I was, less than or not appreciated as a black gay man was oddly enough it was a couple years ago during the height of all of the police shootings of black men yeah and you know black lives matter that movement you know which is still big but it was at the forefront at that point right and so uh, there's a lot of things that i didn't know but i just wanted to do something right so a friend of mine um naima who was a writer this was back when i lived in north carolina um, she was like, you know, we, this is the time where, you know, artists really need to get together and voice their concerns yeah. and have their voices heard to, you know, provoke change. Right. So she was like, I want to write a piece and there's a, um, there's a black lives matter local chapter here that I want to try to perform it at. Would you like to be a part of it? I was like, absolutely. Yeah. Cause I didn't know what I could do as, you know, a black man, as a black queer man to, you know, help this movement or whatever. So she wrote a piece and she presented it to the Black Lives Matter chapter in that was locally. And um, they liked it. But I think once they researched it and researched who she was, you know, um, a lesbian um, woman and me, a black gay man, mm-hmm. they were like, mm, you know, we don't we don't really want to be involved with that because, you know, um, we don't want to push any gay agendas and whatnot. Wow. I'm like, and so then that, that, you know, I know where that comes from because yeah. it's it's. What's the word I'm trying to use without trying to sound? I don't know. It's 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 inverted racism in a way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But I know where that comes from. But it's still hurtful to hear that, especially from your own community. Yeah. But um, 
there's we have a place in those movements. Absolutely. We have a we have a voice that can be heard. We are women and black gay men are some of the people who are at the fucking front lines mm-hmm. whenever right. something goes down. Yeah. So we definitely have, you know, a space in those movements or in those crowds. Absolutely. And so we really had to fight to get her piece put on and eventually they did, but I was like, wow, really you Why ask, did it take so much? You ashy yeah. niggas really, you know what I mean? So right. um I'm glad that that actually, we actually had to do that. But that was like one of the one times I felt kind of devalued as a black queer man. And I'm not saying that anything against my, my own race because, you know, I love my people. But Child. there's certain things that we need to, <laughs> there's certain things that we need to really look at and focus on Absolutely. and kind of, you know, um, what's the word? Um, analyze about ourselves Absolutely. as to why we are that way. And um, so, yeah, that was my one experience. But, I mean, it, we ended up doing the piece and people loved it. But um, it was it was kind of like you know like a a sting to get that back right. from your own people. You know what I'm saying? So right. yeah, I'm gonna say this real quick, and I understand how you feel, but I just and I make sure that I say this on the healing space because thankfully it's me and Brandon's podcast, and we get to say whatever the hell we want to. <laughs> but you don't have to apologize for what you just said. Oh, well, you it's know, not apologetic. Right? Apologetic. Right. Listen, yeah. listen. <laughs> that that Sorry. that's first, but Sorry. also second. If anybody gets to pull up black people, it's black people. Right. We right, get to right. do that, you know. And I get really sick of the fact that we act like these days we have to constantly stand for ourselves and not have to pull ourselves together. Absolutely. We get yeah. to do that, right. you know, because it'll get to the point where there's chaos in the streets when it comes to us because we get to do and say whatever the hell we want to. Absolutely. No, that's not fair, you know. We can't just feel like, mm-hmm. what the fuck ever, we black. Right. No, we right. have to hold ourselves accountable mm-hmm. because not everything we do is right just because we're mad at other people. Right. That's not fair, you know. My whole thing is is that it's about balance. Mm-hmm. Everything needs to be balanced. Mm-hmm. We can't talk about how everyone else is wrong and then our way of making it right is by being just as wrong as they are. Mm-hmm. That's bullshit, you know? It's, I understand that people say that they respect Michelle Obama, but they can't do the, I'll go high if y'all are low, you know? I, I respect that, right. totally. Right. But I don't feel like you have a leg to truly stand on if you decide you're going to get as low as the other person. Mm-hmm. Because if that's the case, where does the true solution come in? Yeah. You've now gotten as low as they did, which means that they continue to be low. Yeah. They're going to go even lower. Oh, yeah. You're going to go meet them this time. <laughs> So when do we get to the point where there's actual healing? Exactly. You know, there is no healing because your decision is that you're going to be as bad as they are. As they are right. So that's why I told you don't apologize. No, you <laughs> listen, black people, we right. are wonderful we are, and we need to make we sure we stay wonderful. Right. Listen, yes. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> okay, yes. my bad. No, <laughs> that's, that is good because that's a perfect segue into what I was thinking when Raven sent this to me and said, black, queer, and unapologetic because... I feel like as a black person, we're always apologizing to white people about how we act, how we raise our voice, how we do what we do. And being a queer, we're always apologizing to our black people about being gay because they're born in the church. And it felt so good to say, no, I'm black. I'm queer and yeah. I'm fucking unapologetic Say about it. it. And I'm not going to apologize anymore to white people that don't understand my blackness. Right. And I'm not going to apologize anymore to the black people that don't understand my queerness right. because right. I am what I am. So he it, just it, gave me the best clip to use isn't that great? to promote just, this damn episode. Right. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. Obviously, you're my commission check now. Yeah. <laughs> but. It goes down into less than, and I I think this is a perfect segue because there was a point that I felt less than because early on, I knew I had a gift. I knew I had a gift from God and God told me, he said, 
you're going to be able to reach people that understand what you went through because you can never get somebody to go through something and get over it if you haven't been through it. Mm. And the black church will make a gay person feel less than because they feel like you're coming from a place that is an abomination. Mm -hmm. That's nasty. That's perverted because that's how they talk about it. Church, you're nasty. You're perverted. Mm -hmm. But what you're doing is you're paying attention to what you see online or you're paying attention to what you see here, Mm -hmm. but you're not focusing on actual real true gay people that are loving the Lord and living for the Lord. And so I used to always feel less than I used Mm -hmm. to feel like, well, God, maybe I don't have this gift or maybe Maybe I don't have this function because they're telling me in the church that, you know, I can't be this and still right. love you. And then what came to me is God said, who gave you the gift? Come on. Did they give you the gift or did I give you the gift? Because when I give you gift, gifts cannot be taken back. Listen. They can be dormant, but they can't be taken back. So you may up. not want to practice <laughs> and you may not want to move in your gift, but I gave you the gift. So what you do with the gift is your business because you have free will. So at that point in time is when I felt like I'm not less than. Mm -hmm. I'm actually better than. Mm. And like Raven says, that's who God would have been. Jesus would have been walking with when he was here. You know, Jesus didn't go into the synagogues and pull people out. You Mm -hmm. better get into your Bibles, people, and you better understand the people that Jesus saved and the people that walked with him and the Mm -hmm. people that had... People had no business walking with him that walked with him. But what did they do? (laughs) They walked with him and they became greater people. Mm. So after really honing in on that made me understand that, like I said, I am never less than. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I humble myself. Mm -hmm. So it's not that I think that, you know, I'm above you. I think that I'm better than you. But I will no longer apologize for being the person that I am. Mm. Come on. Listen. (laughs) Who's supposed to say this? Okay, okay. Well, the next person is George. So. <laughs> well, I've already said something. Listen, we're, we're leaving off that. Sweetie. Oh, we're leaving yeah. off. Oh, right. well, what's yeah. something else? George is like, thank like, God. Like, 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 I'm tired of going after this bitch. Like, I don't want to follow Mike. <laughs> well, no, no, no. You know me. I have to always have things organized. I got you. So when we had the last question, Brandon actually ended up answering first. Oh, I got you. And I then was it came to me. Gotcha. So with organization, since Mike was the last one, now it's your turn. All right. You're organized. Organized. Listen, <laughs> I have to have things organized. All right. So the next question is, we just talked about when did you feel less than as a mm-hmm. black queer man. Mm-hmm. When was the last time you felt truly empowered as a black queer man? Um, I think the last, I mean, it's not just spe- a specific time. I think it's just Absolutely. moments, yeah. moments like this. Mm-hmm. I think I feel very empowered. I think, um, 2016, 2017, just, um, analyzing certain things about myself and why I thought certain ways, then kind of reading certain things, then actually just even following certain people on social media. You know, I know. Well, you know, Raven, you know I love a lot of your friends, you mm-hmm. know, who um, I follow. Got like, like Donya and Donye Love. I love Donye Love. Darnell. Got to correct his Donye Love. Donye Love. Darnell Moore. God. Um, Hari. Paul Daniels. Just a lot of people that I just started to, I guess, read about and, you know, just kind of. There, it seemed like there was like a community of people who were just uplifting each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of like, it's that's not very common in the black gay community, unfortunately. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And in close-knit circles. So, I mean, just seeing them and working together and just beasting in their own, you know, respective uh, 
fields as far as writing, theater, um, advocacy, activism, things like that. That really is empowering. I mean, people say, you know, well, you know, what inspires you? Like other black gay niggas. You know, I mean, that inspires me. That <laughs> are that are doing it. That are that are out there. <laughs> they are that are out there that are doing it and that are unapologetic and that are just you know living their best lives and just like I said, just doing the best they can in their field. You know what I mean? Yeah. And beyond. Yeah. So I think moments like these are very empowering and very inspiring. I'm just. Uh, I'm happy to be here. Yay. So, yeah. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Okay, Mike. Um I feel empowered every day mm-hmm. because this is what I try to tell my friends all the time. There's two people that spend the most amount of money in the world. And mm-hmm. I'm not trying to make this materialistic or anything, but I'm trying to make people understand the gay dollar and the black dollar. Talk about Those it. Those are the best dollars that you can have. And being black and being gay, I know that I am empowered. Mm-hmm. I know that I am empowered because my dollars are behind it. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be rude. But white people listen when you stop spending money where you're not supposed to be spending money on their things. Mm. So to be gay and to know that we have that spending power and to be black and to mm-hmm. know that we have that spending power makes me know that I am an empowered person and mm-hmm. I love every single solitary bit of it. So I don't I just I feel empowered every day. Yeah. I mean, once I stopped feeling less than like I told you and started getting into the realm of where I was, I just feel empowered. Every time I walk out this damn door I feel empowered. Yeah. Like I'm an empowered bitch. I, yes. <laughs> I walk down these fucking stairs on my way to my car in the morning <laughs> unless it's icy. Like I'm fucking the Elsa, the snow fucking queen, and I'm building a fucking oh, castle. Come on, Elsa. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> okay, Brandon, when was the last time you felt empowered? Okay. I'm not sure you're talking. No, I'm playing. Um, I don't know specifically if there's like one thing that kind of makes me feel empowered. I well, think, yeah, like, I think like, again, like he's saying, like moments where right. it's like black um, queer men, you know, or queer people or whatever in general, you know, getting together, like hang, uh, hanging out or having fun, just having a really good time kind of a thing. I think um, prides, even though they have like a lot of negative connotations and folks like to joke around or whatever, I still right. think the kind of coming together is still important and it's necessary. And right. that's what the true intention of it is. The is true to, intention. It's to come exactly. together and celebrate <laughs> and uplift. Right. And so I think things like that, I think because like that. I think that I don't know why I'm so tongue tied this evening. Listen, Lord have mercy. Things could have been happening with your tongue before the show. Uh, right. No, I was asleep all day. So sometimes we get to know each other the day after. <laughs> <laughs> somebody, somebody, <laughs> nobody was playing around in your healing space. N- nobody was doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's wrap this up because I have somebody to play around my healing space. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I think that um, also because I feel like there are more, as time goes on, of course, there are more like black queer celebrities. I think that that's yes. important because yeah. I think that even though it's quote unquote easier to come out or whatever now, I still think that seeing those role models or none of, and I hate role models is a term. Yeah. I feel like people don't try to live their lives to inspire other people. Yeah. But just seeing people, especially celebrities though, or people in, in power or in light, it kind of. It, it helps you kind of like normalize yourself, quote unquote, or it just helps you to see other people like, okay, if they've made it to whatever successful 
area and I'm not even saying if I would necessarily would do that myself but just knowing that I can make it yeah, too kind of a thing yeah. so ex- exactly and it really does matter and so I think that as time goes on it just seeing stuff like that empowers me because I'm just like I feel like that empowers other people absolutely kind of a thing. so absolutely. yeah um, I would say with me that I feel empowered because I have this podcast mm-hmm. uh, I have an outlet to be able to do things like this black queer and unapologetic you know uh i'm able to create opportunities for black queer men to be heard to be seen you know uh like i explained to people who aren't familiar with where the healing space came from it was originally something physical you know Mm -hmm. they were events that i used to put on and coming towards the end of them being physical i plan to bring it back but (laughs) when they were coming towards the end of being physical i was having a lot of shows dealing with being black and queer Mm -hmm. creating space for us you know Um, And so I love that I'm able to do that. Uh, I'm empowered by black queer podcasts existing, you know, Mm -hmm. from the read to the outline to black boy blitz. You know, it's like there are a lot of black queer podcasts. And I love that. Mm -hmm. And I love that we all have different voices, Mm -hmm. different personalities so that there's space for everybody. And that's the reason why I appreciate the black boy blitz supports us. You know, and we do the same for them. I love that Kevin in the outline supports the healing space and we do the same for him. I love that it's not a competition. I love this thing where we don't, we're not afraid to reshare, you know, retweet, you know, to to let other people know you should be listening to this podcast. We don't lose anything for that. We can get advertisers, you know. It's not a thing of if I I promote you, advertisers will go to you and we won't get anything. We're not worried about that. Because our content and what it is that we're doing, you know, Black Boy Blitz has started doing um, five minute meditations. That doesn't take away from what the healing space does with our meditation. You know, we all have an opportunity to shine, you know. So I feel empowered by that. I feel empowered by the fact that we don't have to be scared to support one another. You know, there is there is room at the table for all of us as black queer men, you know. And so that that makes me feel really, really good to know that there is space for everybody. We don't need to fight amongst one, one another. We support each other, you know? And uh, if there is an, a, a space and time where we feel as though somebody is a danger to our community, we have the right to pull them up and have that conversation, you know? And it doesn't have to be messy. It doesn't have to be, you know, arguments in front of everyone online. Right. You know? It's like, why can't we hold, be adults, hold conversations together, talk about the fact that we feel empowered and we want to keep that going. Have an adult conversation, and then however you feel afterwards, at least we respect one another. We dis- we agree to disagree and keep right. it pushing, you know. But it's like we have to we have to support our community because if we're being very real, people on the outside who don't care for black people are coming after us. Oh yeah, exactly. Every day, people on the inside who don't care for us being black and queer are coming after us. Mm-hmm. So it's like the thing is in our community. As black queer men, we need to understand we're being attacked from the outside and the inside because there's people who don't care for us on both ends. So we got to have each other, you know, and that's the reason why I think that podcasts are necessary for us right now, because we need to have all the spaces we can get where we can speak up and make sure our voices are heard. Right. Okay. So with that, <laughs> he said, mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we go watch The Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen that. It's amazing. Oh my gosh. And it, it just, it really gives 
you into what a Trump presidency can do. I was about to say, don't say too much because I won't watch it. (laughs) Yeah, you get into it. Get into it because it's good. Okay. And there are certain things that you will pick up on. Like, and this is not giving it away, but she says, like in one episode, she says, we should have listened when Congress told us or when they uh, like annihilated Congress, got rid of Congress. And I just look and I just think to myself, okay, like, there's so much stuff that's going on that Donald Trump is doing. Like, you know, they like to focus on him saying shithole countries, which is wrong. But what are they doing on the back end that we're not paying attention to because we're so focused, focused on him on, saying right, shithole right. country? What have they passed behind our back? And I'm telling you, that is spot on. And that's why it won Emmys. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm about to put you guys on the spot. Um, George, Mike should also be the only one who's on the spot because he hasn't been on the show before. Um, but I know two of y'all going to act like, especially Brandon, going to act like he caught off guard by this. But we're going to go around and talk about good news. So while I'm informing our listeners of what good news is, it'll give you a chance to think about it. <laughs> so good news is just an opportunity for you to share with our listeners because this is the healing space, you know. Mm-hmm. So in much love, I need to I need to preface this by saying much love. There are some podcasts that when they're coming towards the close of their show, it's about something negative or petty. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, you know, there are people who love that. <laughs> there are people who love that. The healing space is different in the sense that our goal is, is to put out some love and light into the universe. So when we talk about good news, it could be something personal in your life, or you could talk about something you've heard. There could be a movie that you saw that you think people should check out. What's the good news, you know? So uh, I'll go first with my good news. My good news is this good-ass martini that I'm sipping on. (laughs) My good news is that I am in a wonderful space with some awesome-ass queer black men. And we are having a necessary-ass conversation. That's some good news for that ass right there. (laughs) So that is my good news. And I've been waiting to say that since I told you about this episode. I was like, I know my good news. (laughs) It's the fact that I'm in this space with these awesome-ass men. So, yeah. Thank you. Okay, so Brandon, what is your good news? Uh, my good news is that, you know, I've been sick for like, you know, like two weeks. Listen, three weeks, <laughs> how long it's been. I'm, I'm finally like feeling better. I'm like 90%. I'm still not at 100, but I'm <laughs> slow and steady, slow and steady. Um, Which can be used in a lot of things in life, slow and steady. I'm okay, getting go better. Ahead. I'm getting from being sick. I don't know what's going on. Um, <laughs> and... Um, I bought some new uh, sheets the other day. So, yeah. Yay, new sheets. Listen, as you prepare. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to go to sleep. <laughs> Listen. Not on these sheets. We have a cover for that. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, is going to sleep what we calling it now? Right. Going to sleep. That's okay. what I call it. Is that what you call it? Mm-hmm. Make it happen. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Wait a minute, that was a Mariah Carey song. Make it happen. Sing. No, I won't. Sing. I don't know that one. Yes. Uh, you don't know that song? I don't think so. You don't know that Mariah Listen. Carey song? We're going to play it after we finish this. Okay. Make it happen. Make it happen. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. We're going to give him a run for his money. Uh, good news. Oh, God, I'm always on the spot when it comes you to You had this. time to think. I know, I know. <laughs> I, what people. I was thinking was I'm excited about all the black queer art that's coming in the new year. Okay. We've got a lot of great art coming in. We've got Barry Jenkins doing, um, um, oh, God, what's the name of that James Baldwin book that I love? Oh, my the God. Bill Street. Bill something. Street. Yeah. The, um, something. Bill Street's in the title somewhere. Yeah. The Bill, oh. uh, James Baldwin. Um, 
Anyway, Barry Sanders is doing a new um, rendition of James Baldwin's book, um, When Bill Street Had No Name. Sorry. And if I fuck up that title, please don't kill me, guys. But um, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about um, Issa Rae is doing a new uh, show with um, a bisexual black gay character. So that's really exciting. And there's just a lot of great things coming down the pike in 2018. So I'm really excited about that. And that's the good news for me anyway. Brandon was asking me why was I looking at uh, George like that. I was looking at him because in my mind, I was like, you could have made that real easy and said, is, is doing a movie off of one of James Baldwin's books and kept it pushing. Like, I'm I like, love James Baldwin. I didn't want to mispronounce that name. But, so you ain't to say it. Making things difficult on yourself. Get that, like, that girl ate that lettuce. George could have been like, bitch, Google it to find out which one right. I'm talking about. Like, oh Just know it's God. James Baldwin. Yeah. He wants him to know. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yes. Uh-huh. Ha- happy MLK Day. Yes. Let's talk about Not it. Forget about that. MLK, yes, because yes. that's when this is being recorded on MLK right. Day. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> George be taking liberties, but we I love, love him. Yes. <laughs> that's what we loved about him on the last episode. He took liberties out the ass. He just did whatever he wanted. And I'm like, that's why we love him. That's he actually why. behaved a little bit more. He did. Time. Oh, he behaved a lot. Yeah. That's what he I behaved was, a lot. I was on one last uh, episode. You were. <laughs> yes, you were. <laughs> I just love this mic. I just want to get on there and be like, today. <laughs> we're going to eat a head of lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> I love that bitch. Sorry. <laughs> and if you're listening, I love you. <laughs> oh my god. I okay. wanted to bring up some potato chips just now and be like, right. oh, Yes, I'm so sorry. I'm so obsessed with the girl that eats pickles and <laughs> lettuce on the little mic. And every time I see Raven's mic, I just want to just get in and just do it. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So just do it. Yeah, we're, we're gonna have a spoof video. Be, yeah, yeah. We're gonna do one of those, yeah. I've, I've heard other people tell me yes. that about my mic before, yeah. but yeah, Ooh. yeah. Ooh, ooh. Well, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> glory, hallelujah. Anyway, <laughs> um, my good news is I have been in Atlanta now for a year and three days. And today, I guess this is like my really, really good news because a lot of people told me that it would never happen because I've only been with my company for two years. Um, I am now a trainer at my job. So I'm good enough to train these bitches. Yeah, honey, like Carly B said, baby, I'm making money moves. Now I just need me an offset nigga. Oh, Oh, you in the right city. (laughs) Maybe downstairs because he does music. Listen. Maybe that's the new Migos. That's what he's waiting for. Carly B, get at me, bitch. I need to figure out how to get a nigga. (laughs) Tag her ass in this. Oh, my God. Listen, I y'all wouldn't with know. Her. <laughs> y'all it's fine. It's a lot of stuff. So yeah. Listen. I have a picture with her. You did what? I have a picture with Carly B. <gasps> I got to see that. Okay. Listen, y'all got to talk up loud enough for our I'm, listeners to I, hear. Like. I said, I have a picture with Carly B, girl, so tag us, hit us up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now that we finished with our good news, it's time for us to bring this podcast to a close. And we do that first by letting everyone know where they can walk with you on social media. So for the healing space, you'll walk with us on Twitter at underscore THS podcast. 
For Instagram, it is THS Podcast. Make sure to walk with us and we will walk with you back. For me, it is Scorpiogi every damn where, uh, with the exception of Snapchat. <laughs> Snapchat is actually my company, which is Revolution LLC. When spa- spailing, when spailing, this Atlanta is trying to get in here. I'm <laughs> telling you, it is slow and ooh. When you are walking with me, it is Scorpiogi. Is that what I was going for? I don't know. What oh you no, no, no! It's my bad. Snapchat is Revolution LLC. <laughs> Revolution LLC. I still don't know what spelling was. Cause, oh, because I was saying when spelling Revolution, okay. it's Revolution with an A. Woo! I got turned all around. Yeah, I got real turned around just now. <laughs> Sometimes getting turned around isn't bad. But anyway, un- okay, unapologetic. <laughs> unapologetic. <laughs> Unapologetic, unapologetic, damn it. I'm Scorpiogi. S C O R P I Y O G I. And B H W, where can they walk with you? On Twitter and Instagram at No More Otis. It's all together. Just mm-hmm. No More Otis. Mm-hmm. Your, your, your ending never feels like an ending, so that's I why I feel like I should I ask more to I don't, you. I don't know what you want that's me to say. I don't, but right. I only have two social media but, that but I your, use. It's your, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's his inflection. Okay. His inflection never feels like he's done. So you say, you can you can follow me at No More Otis. And it's like, <laughs> it's like you, it's like you don't say you can follow me at No More Otis. And that shows that you're done. You're uh, like, you can follow me at No More Otis on Instagram and Twitter. And it's me, like, okay, bitch, what else you going to say? I don't know what you want. I don't know what you want. I'm going to start going first. There we go. Listen, Jesus. Even though you got, two, you got two other people coming after you, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but anyway. On the next podcast. There we go. said I'm going to start going first. Listen. <laughs> Trying it. Okay. Sorry. What we're not going to have, though, is dead, dead air. So oh, yeah. I'm just saying. All right. So you can... He be wanting to fight him. That's all. He just, just want me to fight him. So he, you can... I guess you can walk with me. Can, can I say you, that? You, you like can, it. You, you like can that, walk right? with me mm-hmm. on social media at, uh, I guess, George Hill at Facebook, uh, the GG1 on Instagram, mm-hmm. and if you're brave... Come on. A Baldwin character on Tumblr. Oh, I'm on. I've got a wait Tumblr. Wait a minute, that, I think that's a first for the hailing space. Tumblr's yeah, yes. right? it's really nothing. It's just a bunch of like abstract art with like some sprinkling of ass, though. Oh. Sprinkling of ass. Sprinkling. Let's let's keep let's keep it funky. We got. Yeah, you know, for all you artsy niggas out there. Yeah, listen, Tumblr is everything. Nakedness is artsy. Listen, I already told you. You can find me at Scorpiogi everywhere. That's Tumblr included. Listen, Scorpiogi. But all, all the nasty stuff is just things I scroll past. I don't. <laughs> you're not gonna see it posted on my page. Okay. I have a brand uh, I have to maintain now. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I retweet it. Yeah, now, retweet the nasty. Right now, if you want to know my nasty on Snapchat, you hit me up outside of this podcast. But yeah, <laughs> oh. snappy chat. Yeah, <laughs> snappy chat. Um, you can walk with me on, I think Instagram is really all I do these days because I don't understand Snapchat. Um, so it's Hollyhood and that's H-O-L-L-Y-H-O-O-D-M-I-K-E, Hollywood Mike. So not Hollywood, Hollywood. Let them know. Yeah. Talk about that it. inflection in my voice. Oh, wait a minute. Where'd that deep voice come from? Where that you get drinks from the straight girls. <laughs> can't. I don't. I can't. I can't right now. Unapologetic. Unapologetic. 
Listen. Apologetic black queer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I don't know what to say. <laughs> Speechless. Oh my God. Um, okay. So last week we were able to tell you what this week was going to be. I know what what the last Tuesday of the month is going to be. I have that guest already, but I don't think I have our guest for next week. So next week might just be me and Brandon, unless I can't think of anybody. I'm doing my best to be ahead of schedule this year, so the podcast is getting filled up quickly. Um, and I, I'm fairly certain we have somebody. Jesus, I feel horrible if I've forgotten. You just make sure y'all asses tune in. <laughs> y'all tune in and you get healed. If I can't think anybody, we have black, queer, and unapologetic back-to-back. Um, but anyway. I'll be here, bitch. Yes. <laughs> but until next week. The, oh, yeah. And let me make sure I say this. Because we did a live earlier on Facebook. And I, for some reason in my mind, I thought I said it on here. But we said it on Facebook. You can make sure that you can uh, add us... I didn't mean to say add. You can comment, share, subscribe, <laughs> like, and do a review. Come on now. At www.thspodcast.com, at soundcloud.com, at Apple Podcast, uh, at uh, Google, Google Play. Play Music, and on YouTube. So please make sure that you're supporting us by sharing us, by subscribing to us. Subscribing and making doing reviews are very, very important. So we definitely want you to subscribe to us and do reviews because when you do that, more people find out about us. Mm -hmm. So we definitely want to make sure we're getting that healing out there. So do that for us and make sure that you're going to THSpodcast.com where you can not only listen to every single episode, but it also is attached to thelovemovement.com. So that's where you can watch everything that has to do with yoga and all that stuff doing with the love movement, which is my wellness brand. Ah, I think we're good. (laughs) So, until next week, we love all of you, and namaste. Namaste.